Healthcare is rapidly changing. Innovative technologies and new treatment paradigms are changing the way we tackle the world's pervasive health issues. I'm Alex Godin with Oxner Health in New Orleans, Louisiana. Join me as we go inside Louisiana's largest healthcare system, where we discuss new ideas in confronting these healthcare challenges. We talk to thought leaders and healthcare experts to explore the latest innovations in patient care. Welcome to Innovation Health. On this episode of Innovation Health, we talk with palliative care physician, Dr. Kate Freeman of Oxner Health in Baton Rouge. Dr. Freeman has a unique role in patient care in that she specializes in palliative medicine, helping patients who are suffering with chronic disease and also those who may be nearing the end of life. Palliative care is an often overlooked healthcare option with many misconceptions about what it really entails. Many people associate it with dying and may be fearful of the subject. In this discussion, we try to decode what it is and hopefully gain a better understanding of this potentially life-changing innovation in health. All right, so we have Dr. Freeman joining us from Baton Rouge today. Just to start, what is the difference between palliative care, hospice care, even the term end-of-life care? Is that three separate things? Yeah, that is a wonderful question, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate the opportunity to kind of um, discuss this, to open up the conversation and clear up some misconceptions. Mm-hmm. So palliative is really a much more all-encompassing type of medicine than hospice and end-of-life care. So hospice refers to a service that's similar to home health that um, patients can receive in their home when they are no longer seeking any aggressive measures and really want their care to be focused on comfort. To qualify for that service, you have to have a life expectancy of six months or less. So your doctor um, has to certify that they believe that you have a limited life expectancy. And with that, patients and their families do receive a wonderful amount of support when they're are no, no further treatments either available or desired by the patient. I do think it's a wonderful service, but it is very separate from palliative care. Okay. So what I do is see patients at any point in their illness. Um, the American Cancer Society recommends that patients um, who are fighting cancer be, see, be seen by a palliative medicine physician at any stage and whether the intent of their therapy is to cure their cancer or just to prolong their life um, as long as the treatment will work. Um, And there have been many studies that have shown the benefit in having palliative medicine on board earlier, including um, less frequent trips to the emergency room, reduced hospitalizations. There are some studies that even show improved survival in cancer care because our focus is very much on how your patient, how this patient is doing day to day, how they're feeling, um, and managing the symptoms of either their illness or the treatment, the side effects of the treatment they're receiving. So, what are some of the sp- specific methods that you would employ for a patient entering into palliative care or choosing to employ that method? Well, um, usually at my first visit, I will introduce what we do, and I let them know that we help with pain and symptom management. So palliative comes from the word palliate, which means to make feel better. 
So me and my team, I have a a social worker, a registered nurse, and a physician assistant. Um, We're both outpatient and hospital-based. So I let them know that we're there to to make sure that they're feeling as good as possible every step of the way, and both at home and in the hospital if they have to be hospitalized. So we're really focused on keeping them active, feeling as much themselves as possible, recognizing that we're not just treating cancer, but we're treating a whole person, a father, brother, son, wife, all the things that make us who we are. We try to um, spend more time with patients and address the fact that their life is so multifaceted and is so much more than their disease. We're also, I let them know that we also are available to help coordinate um, community-based services. So it can be really confusing to know whether you would benefit most from home health or a home-based palliative care visit, or maybe a home-based nurse practitioner visit, or patients considering hospice but are unsure whether that's really the best thing for them or if they're ready for that. So what does community-based mean when you say it in this context? It means um, services that are provided in the home. Okay. Or by outside entities in the community, so like cancer services that provide um, supplemental shakes for patients mm-hmm. or home health that comes in for nursing or physical therapy services, things like that. Um, it, can be, it can be confusing for even doctors to keep up with everything that's available within a specific community. So what I do and what have I have available here in Baton Rouge for my patients will be different than the palliative medicine team in New Orleans. But part of our job is to know what's out there and tailor what's out there to each individual patient's needs. I like the way that um, it's a team approach like you talked about. So the patient would have their, for example, oncology team, but they also have your team on their side. And it really kind of seems like this holistic approach to caring for the patient. I would completely agree that um, I think patients are sometimes reluctant to have um, a palliative care doctor on their team because they they associate it with hospice or end of life. And doctors equally, because of the kind of misconceptions about what palliative medicine really is, can be reluctant to bring it up because, because of the reaction that their patients may have. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've had patients come to me and say, I was so nervous about our visit when I heard I needed to meet with you. And I cannot tell you how glad I am that I came or how happy I am that I've had your team on my side. It's helped me and my family so much. So part of part of wanting to do this interview with you is, is that we know that there's so many more patients who would benefit and their families would benefit. They would have a better experience dealing with their serious illness if they had palliative medicine involved. And so we want to reach more people and be there for more. So what specific benefits could people expect to encounter as they're going through this sort of treatment and care? Um, well, one of the main benefits is just feeling better. So mm-hmm. having somebody, you know, it's a lot for a um, for any physician to manage somebody's labs and medications and whether they need a CT scan or all the things that's going on in a visit. And we've all experienced how busy doctors can be and how little time um sometimes we have with each patient. So one of the great benefits of palliative medicine is that we do a lot more time with patients because we are trying to have a holistic approach and we want to really get to know what's important to each patient. So we have the luxury of more time. With that, we have the luxury of more time to focus on pain and symptom management and really hone in on 
what is impacting quality of life and how can we fix it? What's important to you as an individual? Um, it's different for everyone. And so I would say having a tailor-made approach to improving quality of life is one of the, the main things. We're also a, a support for the caregivers because behind every patient dealing with serious illness, mm-hmm. there is a family who is also dealing with that serious illness. And it can be confusing for families to know how best to support their loved one or to know what's available within the community to help them help their loved one. So we can be a resource when it comes to navigating what can be a very complex system. And it's interesting, these the stigma too around palliative care, I feel like could almost create some barriers to utilization for patients, that stigma alone. What steps do you think could be taken or what do you think can be done to improve that? Well, hopefully this podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. Education. Yes, education, being willing to talk about it. When it comes to other issues, we've gotten a lot better about being open and speaking about um, health. But when it comes to serious illness, end of life, um, advanced care planning, um, which we should talk about, those are still things that are kind of taboo. I feel like um, in our society, we don't always like to acknowledge that um, death is a part of life. Exactly. Um, Unfortunately, it's not optional. And... um, so that is a barrier to you talking about it or to education. Our patients will feel like, you know, I want to have an upbeat, optimistic attitude, and I don't want to go to the palliative medicine doctor and talk about um, gloom and doom. And that certainly is not the focus of our visit. So, you know, we've we've impacted a lot of patients in really positive ways already. There's nothing like word of mouth when um, patients go back to their communities, their family members their doctors and tell them how helpful it has been to have a palliative medicine team on their side. I think that will lead to a lot of growth, but I do hope that we can open up the conversation a little bit um, to be more comfortable talking about serious illness, what it's like to live with illness and um, how palliative medicine can really have a positive impact. And you're right. You know, I feel like a lot of people are very uncomfortable when it comes to talking about death, the fear of dying, or even planning death in the way, planning end-of-life care, um, part of that being advanced care directives. How does palliative care play into that? So part of our role is really to take the time to explain what advanced care planning is, to go over the documents. There are a lot of myths to be dispelled there too. So I offer um, everyone I see the opportunity to have that discussion, and it's really up to them whether they feel comfortable or have a desire to do that or not. And so what is advanced care planning for people listening who may be unfamiliar with that term? Advanced care planning is just the kind of general um, term for putting down and writing what your attitudes and wishes are when it comes to um, advanced medical care and critical illness. It also applies to designating a surrogate decision maker or a spokesperson for you in regards to your healthcare decisions. So one of the big myths that that is out there is that you have to have an attorney or you have to have your documents notarized. And that's not true. You just need to um, have it witnessed by two unrelated people to you um, for the power of attorney. In Louisiana... We use both a general living will. There's also a document called the La Post, which stands for Louisiana Physician Order for 
scope of treatment. Um, this is something that exists kind of state by state. And it's for um, people to be a little bit more specific who are dealing with serious or life-limiting illness. So it wouldn't be what we would go to for somebody who is well and just wanting to be prepared for the future, but somebody facing a life-limiting illness who wanted to lay out more specifics of how they're feeling about critical um, care at the end of life. Um, that's an appropriate document. So I go over all of that with, with people. We kind of talk about the statistics when it comes to the benefits of things like CPR, um, what's involved with being put on an, a ventilator or an artificial breathing machine if they're not able to breathe well on their own. We talk about artificial nutrition, which is like a surgical feeding tube for people who are unable to get enough food and water by mouth. And um, we just discuss different reasons that that patients may be for or against having those things um, if they were needed and they were unable to make a decision for themselves. By completing these documents or having these conversations, it really puts you back in the driver's seat and gives you the opportunity to direct how you would want to be treated in that situation. So it's a gift to your family. It's a way to really take back um, your autonomy over your own, how you're treated um, in the healthcare setting. And that's what we really, all of us want for our patients is for them to feel like they are getting from healthcare what they really want from it and that we're not doing more or less. We've talked with quite a few providers about what their involvement has been given the COVID-19 pandemic, how that may have shifted the way they're caring for patients or what they're doing today, day to day. Have you had kind of any relationship or involvement in caring for COVID-19 patients? Yes, in the um, hospital, we've been consulted. Well, actually on both realms. Um, I've seen patients in the ICU alongside my physician assistant mm -hmm. who, were, um, who had COVID and were not doing very well and trying to help the family make decisions like when it comes to ventilator support and shifting the focus away from aggressive treatment to comfort-focused treatment and patients who were clearly not pulling out, you know, it's been extremely difficult. It's, it's like nothing I ever would have thought I would deal with in my medical career. And I think most physicians are feeling that way. It just kind of like can't believe it's happening. Um, you know, it's hard. I've seen so much of it and so much both ways of, of end of life. And so it can be hard sometimes to imagine what it's like for people who haven't seen so much, but there is such a thing as a good death and a bad death or a beautiful end of life with a family at home, all, you know, everybody around or their favorite music playing on the radio and that sort of thing versus in the hospital on a ventilator and stuff like that. Not that there's anything wrong with, you know, it's not all in our control, obviously. We can, we can plan our perfect end of life all we want and we can, no one can guarantee that. Right. I think that's such an interesting notion that truly the good death versus bad death or, you know, a, a, a death that you had really carefully and thought, thoughtfully envisioned for yourself versus, you know, something more unexpected or, or by yourself. Um, and I feel like even in my experience, I've seen that more commonly in the past 10, 15 years, you know, people who are able to pass at their house surrounded by their family and, and be comfortable there. You know, one example of when you're asking about how I've worked with COVID patients, I've had virtual visits with patients all around the state at home who have... Which is really cool, by the way. It is cool. 
um, <laughs> symptoms of COVID or have tested positive and say they're like elderly and bedridden um, and they don't want to go to the hospital, but they don't know what else to do. And so that's one thing we do a lot in palliative medicine is just educating patients on what their options are and what the alternatives are that you don't have to go to the emergency room. That's not your only outlet to be cared for. Um, so I've, I've helped coordinate hospice to come in and help make sure that they're well cared for because they don't want to go to the hospital. And if they're going to get better from their COVID, that's fine. If they're going to die from it, that's fine. They don't want to go to the hospital, but not going to the hospital doesn't have to mean not receiving any care. I always say you're never, we're never going to give up on you. Like we're never, you're never going to get no care. It's, you know, it may be curative focused. It may be aggressive care. It may be comfort focused care. It may be care that you receive at your home, but you're never going to be abandoned by your doctors or by the healthcare system. So choosing to stop treatment or choosing not to go to the emergency room or be hospitalized doesn't mean that you're choosing to have no care or have no help. Right. And I, I think that is a good way to kind of combat that misconception is the notion that palliative care is still care. It's still medicine. It's still taking care of you as a patient. You know, whether we're helping you to feel better for a brief period while you get your chemotherapy and then you're on your way and you never need us again, that's great. And we are um, awesome at doing that. Or whether you're trying to figure out what you can do besides be hospitalized every time you turn around, you know, we can help you with that too. A lot of times people are, you know, our medical system is very good at dealing with the acute problem and sometimes not as good at, well, what do we do after we've discharged you from the hospital and this little acute problem is over, but you still have horrible lung disease or you still have really bad heart disease. Some patients don't want to keep coming to the hospital, but they have no idea what else to do or where else to go. And so just offering them other options like home-based care or hospice, if they meet the criteria, um, is all they need to get what they want to meet their goals and receive the care that they want from our healthcare system. Um, have there been any meaningful patients you've encountered um, that have stood out most to you or are most memorable? Any any stories? Absolutely. I have so many stories and I have received so many um, notes from patients and their families that have made this, like I said, the most meaningful job I've ever had. Um, just recently, I'll tell you one that's uh, fresh on my mind. I met with a woman who has been diagnosed with lung cancer and had just started her chemotherapy. And she just looked like she felt horrible. I saw her by virtual visit and she was tearful and told me she was just hurting all over and that she was so nauseated and felt like she couldn't eat. She was miserable. And um, her husband was there with her and her cat <laughs> jumped up on the sofa. So <laughs> we talked. We wound up, you know, I addressed her symptoms, of course. I adjusted her medicine so that her pain and her nausea could be managed. And um, we just talked about what her cancer diagnosis meant and what her fears were. And her husband got to, you know, chime in and she was worried about him and you know, of course, all the things that you can imagine, but we really got to kind of just get it out there and clear the air about how everybody was feeling, what what are what the fears were. And I followed up with her. I think I saw her on a Wednesday. So I set her up to follow up virtually on Monday so we could see how she had done with the medicine. And as soon as I opened up my screen, she was there just grinning ear to ear. She looked oh, like a wow. completely different person. And she said, 
I didn't know I could feel this good. Amazing. That is just incredible. I have to say, just hearing you talk about it, I've, I really feel like this sort of care, this palliative medicine and the relationship you make with your patients is so special, so unique, and is really just a beautiful thing the way you all are able to just care for your patients so deeply and build that relationship. It's, it's an amazing thing. Well, thank you. I mean, I completely agree. This is the most rewarding work I've ever done, I have to say. Um, it's such a, a privilege. I'm so happy that that Oshner has really invested in palliative medicine and making this something that's available to their patients, really, and at all of their locations, because um, it is. It's special. It's awesome. I want to thank Dr. Freeman for this amazing conversation and for bringing this wonderful healthcare service to light. If you or a loved one are facing a chronic illness, remember that there are options to help you lead a better life throughout your healthcare journey. Visit oxner.org services where you can find a link to Oxner's palliative medicine and supportive care team. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. I'm Alex Godian with Oxner Health. Join me again next time for another episode of Innovation Health.